how we completely go silent as soon as we were rolling. All right, great. Kids, shut us up. We hit record and we're like. This is Broadcast Interference, a production of the Interference Series nonprofit organization based in Flagstaff, Arizona. This is a space for the curators to talk to each other, our friends, and interesting artists from around the world about art, life, and everything in between. Okay, so what we're supposed to talk about first is we are going to reflect on um, a favorite or most memorable or a important performance um, from the past five seasons of the Interference series. So it's really it's really hard to choose from. We've had like well over a hundred performances and we've had artists from all over and like totally different backgrounds and, and practices and everything. And I'm sure we could each make like a top 10 list of, of performances. Um, but uh, I will just jump in here really quick and, and say mine. Um, so uh, I have three reasons why this is this is my favorite one, and so my my favorite performance, uh, or God, it's hard to say my favorite one, right? Do you okay. want to give actually the caveat? Yes, yes let's give a, let's give a caveat because we also wanted to encourage uh, listeners and viewers to experience some of these if you whether you were there or not, but experience them online because we do one of the things that is becoming increasingly i think pretty special about the series is that we have a lot of archival materials um and uh eric santoro uh who for quite a while was kind of our house videographer um did a lot of those videos and those are available on youtube in the interference series youtube channel so we decided that we would try to limit our choice to things that you could actually go see. Um, although probably like you too, I will be also mentioning some ones that aren't up there uh, it, as, as part of my spiel. But, um, but yeah, the idea is that you can uh, listen to our, our uh, ravings about these performances and then go check them out for yourself uh, on online. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, great, great introduction. Yeah, there is a, a quite a nice archive on on YouTube. And in a way, our record label is kind of like that, too. Yeah. Kind of a, an archive, a, a little snapshot, a sonic snapshot of people that we featured and made made things with. So that that's really cool. Um, okay, so one of my uh, most memorable performances um, actually was very, very early on in the interference series is it was, I think, 2.1. So we have a numbering system, the which month it is, and then which one that month. So this is the second month in existence. So this is in 2015. And uh, it was a project called Subtract Identity. And it was something that I did uh, in collaboration with, with a really good friend and a, uh, a, a former bandmate named Liza Stiegel. 
and uh she was um so okay number one why it is one of my most memorable ones uh it is because it captured like so much of the spirit that i hope is still there in the interference series of like that diy spirit of just like I need to make something right now and and I want to have a performance and and how can I make that happen? Let me let me contact my really good friend and then okay, I need a I need a band, I need a group of musicians. Okay, I'm working with these people at NAU. So, hey, do you want to improvise? Great. Hey, hey, uh Eric, you you you've written some poetry. Can you can you be the speaker in this project and hey 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 Ewan, uh you know, you're a visual artist and I know that you know something about lights. Can you be the lighting person and <laughs> And hey, hey, John Q, like, can you help me get a show at, at Fire Creek? And it was all of just like this kind of scrappy coming together of of a performance. Um, but looking back at it, it's it's still really powerful. And um, and oh, someone I forgot is hey, hey, Melissa, my friend who who was a dancer, can you can you be behind the screen and be a silhouette the entire time for like an hour long performance and. And so it was all of these uh, moving parts coming together, and it was it was all friends or or new friends and just like coming together to to make art. And it was like again very kind of punk rock <laughs> in a way, um, but it was a large ensemble of of improvisers. We probably had six or seven improvisers, most of which who had never improvised before. And so um, that's maybe the the second reason why it was so important to me was that it was it was capturing again that that spirit that i that i think is really cool about the interference series is bringing people into the fold that normally wouldn't come to maybe an improvisation performance or an, an experimental music performance and then um uh sorry so one uh the diy spirit two bringing in people and three was actually something that I didn't experience firsthand, but I had a really good friend who was sitting in the back of the audience at the bar in fire Creek. And if you've been to fire Creek, it's kind of an open performance space. You, you can sit at the bar and it kind of connects to the cafe. Um, but they were sitting in the back and there was this older gentleman there who had been watching at least a good portion of the show. And he said, um, quote, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen <laughs> right right when the the performance ended. And and my friend told me this, and I I wish that I would have heard it, you know, that it would have made contact with my ears so I could have experienced that. But I'm so glad that they told me secondhand. And I've actually used reference this um this old man who I've never met. I don't know who they are, but I've referenced this person as kind of like a signal since the very beginning, because I, I love to muse on this idea of like this, this old man coming, you know, coming into this bar or coffee shop and watching this strange performance. And then that and actually not leaving and not leaving, <laughs> not leaving. And, but then being provoked to to you know verbalize this yeah. that it maybe actually was the weirdest thing that they had ever seen in their lives and that's to me actually really profound like wow <laughs> you you know the weirdest thing you've ever seen yeah. um so 
you know, again, there's so many performances that, that stand out to me and for, for many reasons, but this one is kind of just special to me, I guess, um, you know, uh, emotionally and just like maybe even nostalgic a little bit, um, nostalgic for the very beginning of the series where it, what we were a super young idea, like we weren't even an organization yet. We were an idea that was like just getting off of the ground and uh, we were able to pull off by coming together and by working together and everyone like pitching in and collaborating and bringing in their skills, uh, we were able to to do this really powerful thing that I think made some waves and maybe a little foundation for uh, for us to grow upon. So, yeah, nice. that's fine. Nice. That was a that was a special night. That was incredible. That whole experience. I mean, I panicked a little. We had a moment. Melissa and I had a moment behind the screen where I actually um, mistook one piece for another, and I started screwing with the lights off cue. And she panicked and looked at me and was like, "No, no, no!" And then I was like, "Oh, it's not this piece." And then I did that improv thing where, like, if you screw up, yes. you do it again so it yes. doesn't look like you screwed up. Yes, own <laughs> so the I mistake. There that. are no mistakes. Yes, exactly. I just <laughs> played into the mistake, and then she was kind of like, "Uh." And then by the third time I did it, I was like, "We're good." And then she was able to focus on her performance, and it and it worked. Nobody on the other side of the screen knew any of that was happening, mm -hmm. but it was it was. Um, it was serendipitous that it just kind of worked out that way. And then it felt more comfortable. Like when we actually, when that piece came up and we actually had to do the light switching. Um, I think that it's kind of like visual art where um, if you have one element in this piece um, that doesn't repeat, it's either going to be the absolute focal point or it's going to look out of place and it's going to distract from the focal point. And so mm -hmm. you need to repeat that element in different places so that it doesn't look so, so it doesn't take command over the, over the composition. Um, and that, that's how I felt about that, that moment. But that was, and it was also really special to learn. I didn't know before the show that she's actually the dancer who was like a young kid dancer in the other piece we did at the, um, at, at NAU at the, um, Yes. What the heck was that? With my paintings. And I can't remember why, whose graduate show that was. Somebody was graduate. It was Liza's. Oh, it was. Okay. So we got to work with her twice, but it was like years apart. Yeah. 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 Liza had made great. a, made a, a big um, kind of new music festival that she called like, uh, I don't know, new, new music. I don't new music festival. I don't know what it was called, yeah. but it was like a weekend of, of music. And I helped contribute to things. And, uh, she she asked me to write a piece for this, and I approached UN. We had just uh, collaborated on a different piece, and and so we we tried kind of a similar oh, concept, yes. but yes. with a but with a visual visual. Um, in the first collaboration, UN had made a, a poem, right. and uh, in the second one, he made uh, three uh, visual art pieces for this. For so circadian, yeah, it was circadian circadian, circadian rhythms. Yeah, yeah. circadian. Yeah. So, yeah, it was very serendipitous of just like people coming together and, um, you know, maybe like minded and maybe that's why we happened to come together again. But it was really special. Yeah, that was it was a great night. It was really something. Yeah. So that's one I have not watched. And this is great because now you've piqued my curiosity. I feel like I've seen that the the clip of that a million times because there was a period where we would have the the kind of um I'm gonna call it a gag reel, whatever you call it, like a preview of the highlight of things that we that we've done and mm -hmm. we would have it playing 
before shows and the the clip of of the silhouetted dancer was was like the thing that showed kept showing up so i feel mm -hmm. like i've seen that particular clip a lot but i i've never gone and watched uh that that performance so yeah that sounds really great i will I check it out i think that includes does that include her piece uh, i am a queer woman yeah yeah, yeah like the whole the whole piece. piece is about like liza was just going through some shit with like gender identity and um chose like when i asked her to make a piece she um, wanted to do it about that which i think was was super rad like you're going through some stuff and make art art about it and yeah that's great yeah there were pieces there was a i remember one of the poems too or one of the i, I don't want to call it a poem but it's like a spoken word piece that doesn't come off like um slam poetry format or anything it's really um nicely embedded into this larger composition of performance and visuals and sound that that um is very unique really really um refreshing too um you know you, you because because uh uh, what's it called? Fire Creek is a coffee house, you know, it's got that open mic feeling to it. And we brought something that night with her piece and the way things were set up and the, and the, and the, um, the, all the accompaniment to the text. And it just all felt very not coffee house mm. it felt very, uh, it was, you know, much more like, um, uh, you know, village scene art house kind of stuff that, that, uh, you know, real performance art that you just, I've heard this said about other events. Somebody said this about an event um, that might actually be one of your choices. I don't know. Uh, might be Rob's choice. It's my second choice. Um, they were like, I felt like I was back in New York and I was like downtown at an actual like, like, you know, gallery performance space experiencing things like I was totally transported to that. And this is a person who goes to New York every two years. Um, and who, who lived in New York for a number of years, and that like that experience is embedded in their physical memory. Um, and they had that association at at these shows, and that's that's how I felt about that um, that night as well. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because one of the things I really love about the series is I want people to be in New York going, oh, I saw that in Flagstaff, yeah. <laughs> right? Because when, yeah. when I lived in New York, I, I mean, I had my mind blown. I mean, it's, I, I, I love New York. I'm not going to diss on it by any means, but I do get quite annoyed with the whole like, oh, well, it's not New York attitude after living in a lot of other places too and other cities. Right. And and outside of the United States in particular, because that that just gets really uh, frustrating and nationalist and yeah. just kind of ridiculous. But I remember there were a few things I saw in New York. Uh, this was, you know, 20, 21 years ago where I thought, oh, you know what? Like this band in flag was kind of doing that same thing. That's cool that we mm -hmm. knew about that, you know, or that we were also trying that. Um, and so I, I really, I like the idea that we could be planting these little seeds, both for people who are um, starved for, you know, things that they, they miss about maybe a more metropolitan area, but also for people who are like, don't, don't actually know those distinctions yet, mm -hmm. you know, maybe younger audiences and, and it kind of normalizes it for them. Right. So it's like, oh yeah, performance art. Oh yeah. I know what that is. Or mm -hmm you know, free improvisation or mixing film with music in the live setting or what, you know, what other thing, other element that might seem 
you know, not particularly mainstream, that they might come out and just say, oh, yeah, that's a thing that I actually did, you know, when I was a junior high student or a high school student or college student in Flagstaff as part of the interference series. I think, Absolutely. I, and I know we've provided that for, for at least a few folks, you know. Oh, yeah. I can so, think of three or four just off the top of my head. Yeah. Kids who, kids who were, you know, early high school students. Yeah. That, uh, that came and performed uh, on yeah. the series. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned the combination of visuals and, and uh, performance and music. We just experienced that on Friday with that yeah. uh, virtual performance that, uh, that Owen hosted um, through the series. Uh, can you, Owen, can you remind us the names? Yeah. People involved with that? Yeah, so um, the visual artist was named Kendra Sollers, and uh, she's actually an Arizona native, and now just working in the in the Phoenix area, and um, she collaborated with our um, kind of main performance artist that we had named Lauren Sarah Hayes, and uh, Lauren is actually known internationally, like she's performed on the BBC and like has done these big shows in in Europe, and she uh, got a gig uh, teaching sound art at ASU. And so we're lucky to have her just like in our backyard. And so it was it was really cool to have her for our first virtual performance. She was just a dream to work with, in terms of like knowing all the technology. And um, yeah, so that was really fun. And she I think she brought with her a whole crew of people that were in the chat and um, participated. And so that w that was really cool. Um, actually observing the chat during during that live stream. And um, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was weird participating in the conversation in the chat while the performance is going because you can't do that when you're sitting there right. in, in the room. You know, you're talking. You don't want to talk while somebody else is performing. Right. But it felt so much more. It brought that level of community um, to the virtual reality that, that it was really a, a fun experience being a part of that. I was supposed to be moderating the chat and I was just putting in as many comments. You know, having fun with it. I, I was. I was confessed. I was barely paying attention to whether or not there was anything bad going on but obviously it was like it was totally uh legit posts about their experience with the piece the the um the sort of uh textual interpretation of yeah. the feelings that they were experiencing during the piece it was kind of a fun thread that was running through the, the chat it was nice yes yeah. it was cool yeah very <laughs> cool that was neat to be a part of yeah yeah awesome so should we go I to had, rob's yeah i had um i had actually kind of forgotten our original caveat about the point of being able to go look to the archive. So I had like five other things <laughs> and then I was like, Oh yeah, I got to limit it. So, um, my actually, and, and one of my other self, um, proclaimed caveats just to myself was that I should probably limit it to things I wasn't involved in because mm. we, you know, we all three have played, uh, you know, numerous times as a part of the series, uh, or contributed, uh, you know, film or other other elements artistically to the series. So I thought that would be kind of weird, you know, to pick something that I w was in. Although, admittedly, some of those have been my favorites, um, not because of me, but because of the people that were involved. Right. Um, and then I also thought, kind of similarly, maybe it should be somebody I didn't know, because. Um, one of the other things that's been really amazing in my experience with the series, which started a, a, a year after you all started it, after Owen started it, um, 
was experiencing new performances and people that I didn't know or know of. Uh, often, as you're saying, Owen, either people who are in the community, um, who are just amazing creative people, or people who are maybe nearby or in Phoenix or touring or something that I never had heard of that were completely mind blowing. Um, so, but I, I do admit that the first thing that actually came to my mind and don't get a big skeleton head about this, Ewan, because you're sitting amongst <laughs> oh, those skeletons. You look like you're on some kind of like weird conspiracy podcast, by the way. <laughs> Like I tell you, the frogs, the frogs are gay. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but but the first one that came to mind actually was your solo one, the when you at at, at kickstand. Wow. Um, I just remember being really moved by that that whole night. Um, wow. So this like is the one uh, with, where you had um, the you did like the stuff with tapes and. Um, your synthesizer, and then you had the film. Yeah, and it was the weird film of with the guys like sort of telling things oh, and crying and. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was that was probably my favorite, but again, we don't have a we don't have a record of that, so it's, it's that that thing. one's out. It's okay. <laughs> but that that's is a the, good thing. That's the first. <laughs> that's the first one that came. It's to ephemeral. Mind. It's, it's a good a thing we didn't record exactly. that because I think you were one of five people there. <laughs> and that includes me. I think it was right, me, you, right. and Owen. And then yeah. who's the... I Probably Brian was there. Okay, yeah, Brian was. Who's yeah. the couple that uh, they were living in? Um... Oh, Carrie and... Uh, Carrie Ann and... Uh, uh, what's their What's their name? They have a performance name. Yeah, uh, this is Pisces. This yes. is Pisces, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, they were. I was. I was really excited that they were. Kendall that was like my favorite. Yes, that Kendall was like my favorite part of it. Was like chatting with them afterwards, and and there because I because I think at one point in the performance I said, okay, like that's that's halftime. Do you guys want to keep going or? And they it was such a small group, and they were like, yeah, let's keep going. And so I was able to play another, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, and that was. But anyway, go on, Rob. Yeah, well, I, so, I do want to interrupt here because yeah, please, and anyone listening to this that is an experimental artist or has played gigs, you know that you play gigs sometimes to one person and right. like that doesn't diminish the the importance or the experience that you have. And actually some of my, even in Chicago, um, some of the most memorable shows that I went to, I was one of five people. Right. And it's, it's yeah. kind of just like the, the nature of the beast, uh, especially with experimental music, improvised music. Um, but just, just want to throw that out there because that you and it was a very special night. And like, I, I think you, you, you put yourself out there in some really amazing ways and you were able to create some cool stuff. So it was yeah, fun. The, yeah, I think sure. the best comment I got was from Kendall when he said, uh, because the because the video plays after the first piece and it's got sound and I'm not playing with the video I'm just sitting there letting the video roll and he's and then once I played the second piece he was like the video completely changed the character of the of the sound you were playing even though they were really similar sounds to the piece before the the uh, video but that's you're you make an excellent point Owen my my um my cousin Brian Koss who's a, a punk guitarist um in Providence uh Rhode Island he he said you know he playing playing your best set for the bartender yeah it's like that's like you know that's the roughest thing about being a musician sometimes you know? the bartender hasn't even been there in gigs i've done 
<laughs> it's literally, literally been an empty room. Oh my god! Quite literally, yeah. But you know, that's what you do. Brutal. Um, that's why when people are like, "Yeah, I only make art for myself," I'm like, "Well, you know, that's <laughs> you could that could be true." You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Anyway, um, so with those caveats out of the way, though, I I think I would have to settle on, um, either. Well, I'll tell you what my one is. My one is the Ra- Rachel Austin show, performance artist. From, is she from the Bay Area? Oh, um, she was living in the Bay Area. Okay, that's um, what I thought. And working with with my friend um, Chris Wood. Right. Um, yeah. But I think she's actually based on the East Coast. I want to say. Well, she was living in New York for a while, but she's somewhere on the East Coast now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think at the time she she was maybe living in the Bay Area. This was a few years back, and um, as you say, she was there with um, uh, with Chris, and they did kind of an evening of performance art. But what I really liked about her piece is that it was a kind of a dance based piece. But if correct me if I'm remembering it wrong, the way I remember it, I should have gone back and watched it. I can now, and now that I'm second guessing myself, but. Um, she had, she asked people about like their, like something that was troubling them or just some, some kind of, it was some kind of narrative that you would give to her. And then she danced that. (laughs) And it was almost like what, what it reminded me of. And I don't mean this in a, in a facetious way at all is like the, the Lucy character in Peanuts, where the the right. psychiatrist is in, like five you know, the little stand, yeah, yeah five, and it was kind of like a performance art version of that, except instead of giving you crappy advice like Lucy did, she actually like did this really meaningful, beautiful performance, and it was improvised, and that's what that was really what was most impressive is that she took this really personal material from somebody else, and then made this really interesting movement based so she went from text to music or to to dance to movement um and did it like really quickly and she did like a few of these yeah um and i just thought that was a really it could have been very gimmicky and kind of um cliche or something but the way she she was able to translate those things was really really i thought pretty moving and and powerful um and you know we haven't featured a whole lot of dance on the series and so i think that also made it kind of notable um but just in general i just thought it was a really nice way of kind of like building on what you were saying about getting people together you know and really we talk a lot about community and the importance of community and you know that wasn't necessarily uh a, a piece that the audience performed in in a sort of standard way but in a way it, it was you, they were part of the performance and i think that that also made it um really distinctive and um really made that connection you know that we're we're ideally trying to make where you know again maybe it's the weirdest thing they had ever seen or they didn't expect that they were gonna you know have to participate in this thing that evening, but it turned into this really interesting 
you know, moving series of movements, right? That right. that Rachel was able to to create out of out of that um, that piece. So that I, I I really remember that one especially for sure of the ones that we've we've recorded with my other caveats in place. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that one was really special to me too. So I don't think this would be letting the any cat out of the bag or secret of Rachel, but I believe the question that she asked you. So it it, it was a participatory participatory piece where if you wanted to, you could go up right. behind a screen and I'm pretty sure what she asked you is how was your week? Yeah. I think no, and I think yeah. she said that. I think she said that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah but yeah. then, how was your week? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so you could you could you know behind the screen you could tell her whatever. Maybe it was heavy. Right. Maybe it was okay. Maybe it was mundane. Whatever. But what I love about about that piece is that there's actually three uh, angles of interpretation going on. So there's her interpreting your words or interpreting um, your words. And then you go in the audience and then you watch her and you're trying to decode to see what, yeah, if she got that, it right yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then there's the other people who are, are trying to decode right. and like see what you were thinking. And so there's all of this going on simultaneously. Yeah. And it was simple, very simple, right. but very powerful. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And again, I think it like, for people who, you know, haven't experienced performance art or maybe dance in that form, it really gave them, I hope, a, a kind of angle into, again, just how creative and interesting the possibilities are, right? Because I think with dance in particular, I know I used to feel this way, um, that, you know, like, you can't have dance without music. Like, that's just crazy talk, right? Um, like, how would you even do that, you know? But this idea of the way in which dance is, you know, a, a, obviously a player in um, contemporary creative practice in its own, like, really interesting way that deserves, you know, its its own series, you know? And, and you know, again, we, we have hosted other, other dance-oriented pieces, but maybe not as many as we, we should, so you know, hopefully we can have more of that in the, in the future. But that, that was definitely uh, something that I, that I thought was really, really great about that evening. See, now I have to go back and watch that one. Cause that's one that I wasn't able to go to. Yeah. You missed that one. Yeah. yeah. This is great. Uh, you know, yeah. Rob will see something new with you and yeah, yeah, this is great. Yeah, definitely. Definitely need to go check that out. Yeah. Nice. Oh, is it my turn? It's your turn. I think so. All right. Uh, so you guys have told me that this is recorded, but I haven't <laughs> listened to or seen the recording of this performance. Okay. Um, and I mean, that's just on me. I need to go back into the archives myself and, and take a look at it because I, I, all I did was I didn't make any rules for myself except um, when you said, uh, you know, your favorite performance, that's what, that's what we're going to focus on. Um, I used the first one that came to mind. The first one that came to mind was probably one of the most recent. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, also without Rob's caveat that he wasn't, that we weren't in it. Um, I was in it. Um, I didn't know I was going to be in it. <laughs> uh, I showed up, like I showed up to help set up and, um, and, uh, and Owen says, what are you playing tonight? And I said, I'm playing tonight. <laughs> 
And he said, yeah, well, your name is on the bill. I mean, you don't have to, I guess, but reference sign is on there. Reference sign is our trio. And we were, we were featured as part of the performance that night. And, um, and I said, well, I no, I mean, I guess if we're on, if I'm on, like, what have you got? And so Owen pulled out a, a floor Tom and a bath towel and, um, uh, I grabbed some stuff out of his bag of tricks. Uh, there was a, um, a thumb piano and uh, some sticks, stuff to bang on. Rob brought some stuff, uh, gave me a little speaker um, to plug something into or something. I can't remember. There was like a, a handful of objects that I had. And um, and it was, it was Don Juan Kim. It was, the, it was by far my favorite performance. And I say that with the caveat that I don't have perfect recollection of all the performances. Mm -hmm. And if I mm -hmm. sat down at the computer and went through the, the archives, um, aside from the maybe half a dozen shows that I've missed over the years, um, I can point to something special or something spectacular or something especially beautiful that happened at, and on any given night. Yeah, um, for sure. But that night, being a part of that performance, being a part of, um, and it was one piece, and it's the piece that stands out. It's the it was the um, oh, it's got something to do with birds and flight. It um, was it his poem that he wrote yes. to perform with Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he told On us the BMZ, and, yeah, yeah. And it was mm. my favorite thing to tell everyone who missed that evening mm. because it was like it, it, like I, there were people who had been to other performances. Somebody one somebody I work with had gone to the Frank Lo Rosalie performance at the Coconino Center, and that that was they they were blown away by it. They're like, "How have I not known about this stuff?" You know. And then um, and then we had that performance, and the next day at work, he was like, "Oh, so how did it go this weekend?" And I said, "You have no idea." So <laughs> not only is this guy this guy is part of the Silk Road Ensemble, like he's he's worked with Yo Yo Ma. He's an incredible um, artist, musician, writer performer, vocalist, um, himself in his own right, internationally speaking. But I got to play with him on the piece that he had only performed one other time uh, in right. the DMZ with Yo-Yo Ma, like in the, <laughs> yeah. in the little huts that they have where you have the South Korean guards on one end of the room and the North Korean guards on the other end of the room. Like that and we played that last night and you missed it so <laughs> that was like that was the best like i felt so yeah. I, I, I told at least 10 people mm. that exact story it was so good but that, if that wasn't enough like being a part of that night it was it was just exquisite but um recording with him um the next day at, at mud shark or i can't remember it was the day before mm -hmm. or the day after i think it was the day after yeah no it was the day before because that night we went to Rob's house um, after the performance, and we were there uh, till all hours. Um, and and that was also when uh, with um, your buddies uh, Josh. Josh was there. Yes, Josh, yeah. who also performed that night, which was yeah. a whole other thing. Like that. I mean, <laughs> that whole weekend was like recording with them at Mud Shark, and then and then having the performance, and then having the afterhang. Um, it was phenomenal. It was just phenomenal. Like to the point where at the end of the evening, as I was getting ready to leave, I put my coat on and Dong Wan came up to me and like popped my collar 
and and <laughs> like like very intimately like popped my collar on my coat and uh and and uh and and said some very very kind generous words that nobody has ever said to my face like looked me in the eye and said something really beautiful mm-hmm. and gave me a huge warm hug and uh and that was like that was how that weekend ended for me and it was just such a gift that like when i saw um so on online right now there's um Oh uh, shoot! It's called. I'm going to mess up the title. Um, it's it's a it's it's the Silk Road special. It's a documentary mm-hmm. about Silk Road Ensemble, and um, uh, it's like called Music with Other People or something like that. I can put it in the show notes. Yeah, other people's music. Um, he there's there's just a fleeting moment where because Don Juan is not featured um, because they were focused on the current ensemble at the time but they have highlights from different shows. And there are two times when Don Juan pops up on screen in the background and my heart just leapt. I was like, oh, there he is, there he is. And I went and grabbed my wife. I'm like, you got to see this. Like, this is the guy. Then remember I told you about this performance and, and Yo-Yo Ma, da, da, da. It was, it was, and I've watched that special three times just because it's so, um, it so brings back those memories yeah. of, of being with him, performing with him, recording with him. It was, and then, and then having dinner and, and wonderful conversation afterwards and uh and it was just a beautiful beautiful experience that i really am in, indebted to you guys for because you guys I, I don't know i don't know very many musicians um and i don't know new music performers all of the stuff that you guys bring in is always new to me um there are very few people who i know uh that we've actually featured um you know like alex wilson like we we know alex from in town like he's one example mm-hmm. of very few people that i actually know um, and so you guys are exposing me to all that stuff. And that was a real gift. That whole weekend was a real gift. Yeah, Agreed. Yeah, no, it was definitely magical. Um, and you're right in that that has been recorded and, um, it will be available at nice. some point and in, in the archive. Uh, I don't think we've, uh, we, we haven't put it up there yet, but it, and we it, haven't it, issued it we have an issue and we, and we have the recording too the yeah. the studio recording yeah. also will be released which is completely different yeah from yeah. What, from what was performed that next yeah. night yeah 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 fantastic so um yeah all that stuff will be available maybe even by the time this podcast goes to <laughs> Let's hope so. goes to air but yeah. but that that stuff is definitely out there um for sure and i, I like how you said though that you you saw the Silk Road documentary and you saw Dong Wan, you're like, oh yeah. Because uh, my experience with Dong Wan was, was also kind of interesting in that I knew him for quite a while through Josh, actually, mm-hmm. Josh Pilzer. And um, I knew that he was like this very heavy musician and like, you know, serious and and worth, you know, respecting. But then... I saw through another friend who's performed on the series, Paul Livingstone, sitar player from LA. Uh, Paul said, Hey, I've got this documentary. This is like years after I had met Dong Wan. So I got this documentary that you are going to love. And we watched it and it was intangible asset 82, which is a film that we, we screened when Dong Wan was here as part of his residency in Flagstaff. And uh, it's made by an Australian filmmaker named Emma Franz. And it's it's sort of about a percussionist uh, named uh, Simon Barker from Australia, 
who we should get to come play the series um and his kind of journey into korean traditional music and dongwon is kind of the person who becomes his uh, main connection to meeting all these other musicians and so after watching that film i was like wait a minute like Dongwon is like really, really important. <laughs> like, yes. like I knew who he was and I had just like hung out with him and, you know, BS, but, and I had heard him play several times. I knew, I like, I knew he was very deep and important, but I saw that movie and I was kind of like, wow, I, I almost felt embarrassed that I hadn't like venerated him more, you know, based on that, that history. Um, but I think, again, that's one of the really beautiful things that I hope, you know, other audience members too, not just people who maybe also perform in this series, but that they get a sense that, you know, again, the, the world of, um, of popular music in particular, and also classical music, I think, can tend to, um, you know, encourage us to believe in this whole like star system thing and how these people are very distant from us and um deserve to be venerated not because they're good but because they're famous right mm -hmm. and i think one of the cool things about a lot of the performers that we are lucky enough to to feature is that they are people that you can then go chat with after the performance or indeed even go have a beer with or whatever and or even perform with right yeah. and so i think that that's something that's been really wonderful is is seeing how those different relationships kind of grow and change and connect to other people and again how you might see someone who you knew but then you realize wow they're they're also connected to this other thing that i didn't know about at the time and then just how that all kind of accretes and builds and and those layers form um it's i think it's really one of the powerful things that that has come out of the series and again is is so opposite from that kind of star system uh celebrity culture um and i think that that's it's really healthy that we can we can establish those kinds of relationships as opposed to the the sort of oh you're really famous you know um so yeah i'm glad that i'm glad you had that that but, that but you guys bring that you guys bring that i mean that's that's it's ridiculous that we're still saying that um you know the series the series is developing and we have you know, <laughs> we, we just made we just got our 501 you know C3 right or 3c blah, blah, whatever the crap it's called and and we have you know we've got we've had an equal number of local performers and out of town performers in the beginning and, and all the way through, but, um, and, and we're, we're in season six. Now we've had numerous, not just a few numerous world-class musicians, performance artists. Um, I mean, the people, you know, writers, whatever you want to say, whatever, any, from any area of the arts, um, we've had them here. Um, people who are, you know, well-known and published and not, and it's and not not tooting my our horn here because they're like you said because they're famous, but because the quality of yeah. these of these experiences that we're bringing to Flagstaff, um, and then and then constant you know subsequently now online and so forth with this new 
uh, COVID experience and so forth. But, uh, but there's like in the recording with these people, like making sure that when they come to town, if they have an extra day, we accommodate them recording an album at Mud Shark, um, you know, or record their performance live um, and, and offer them whatever local musicians we have who, who, are, who are available and they want to perform with. I mean, that's an exceptional opportunity as well for the people here in town and not just our friends, but like anybody we, because of our connections with the university and you guys know, you know, and my work with some of the people that follow, like, it's crazy, crazy how much stuff is like been, how many, how many people have been connected through mm -hmm. this. And I really credit you guys with your, your relationships and your connection and bringing those people in, not just because you're well connected because you're professional musicians, but because you you guys actually, if I can, if it doesn't sound too cheesy, um, you guys dare to think about, okay, who's that dream person we want to have on the series? And, you know, like, who's this person I know? I want, I want, I know about this person. I think so-and-so might have a connection with them. Let's find out if we can actually get them here. Um, or, or just, or just waiting until that person's like, hey, we're coming through. Um, you got anything going on? We're like, we're going to make something happen for you that night. Yeah, I don't care if it's a Wednesday night at six o'clock, like we're going to make this happen so that you, even though you, this is your one night in Flagstaff, you're going to have an opportunity to perform in front of at least, you know, five, six, eight, 20 people. Um, even if it's just in the coffee shop. Um, but then also bringing these massive artists like uh, that the perform at the Coconut Center for the Arts and um, you know, that like the gong orchestra, I mean, just mm -hmm. all this, it's ridiculous. It's just absurd. And here we are six years in and, and we're still flat broke. Um, he's, he's screaming by and you know Owen's putting his own money into it you know rob's like you know begging his wife to to watch the kid for the night and, you know and, and i'm and i'm dragged to the event everything you know, like oh god do we really have to go and, <laughs> you know i'm just setting up lights and moving chairs and like now i don't even do that um but it's it was really it's really a testament to um to you guys' courage and being able to approach those people and just ask hey can you do this do you want to do this uh, we can't pay you very much at all, but here's your, here's your guaranteed, you know, whatever, um, plus the percentage of the door. And that's all we can offer you. And they come. They come because of what you've done so far, because of the relationships, and because they want to perform. You're right, Rob. It doesn't matter how – it's not. it doesn't matter the star system that they're part of. They're here. They're here. Well, maybe that's a good segue into our next uh, topic of the sort of dream – the dream performance it's like fantasy football, but for experimental music. <laughs> and actually, before, before we do this, Owen, I need to just call back to our, our first podcast, if I may. Oh, yes. Yeah, so long ago. You were acting like some kind of U2 neophyte. And I see behind you a painting mm -hmm. that has the cover of the Joshua tree. Mm -hmm. Here, let me show you. So what's up with that? Well, what this is, is that? this is a hangover. So this is in my percussion studio where I, I teach lessons. And um, this um, beautiful piece of art, um, hand hand painted, uh, was was here in the studio, and oh, I just scooped it. Wow. But yeah, we got some Blondie. We got oh, the, yeah. the, the Live Aid concert. Madonna. Oh yeah, I see Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Yeah, Springsteen. And the yeah. MTV Floyd. Logo. And it's uh, you can't. It's kind of dark at the top, but it says rock and roll nice. oh got so, it okay so yeah. interesting. that is all of it you two Madonna, <laughs> that's all of rock and roll right there and mtv yeah. that's what yeah. i was raised on i mean come on great 
anyway, I just I, I have to keep looking at that. And then uh, yeah. on the other side of you is the Xenakis. Yeah. Persepolis. Oh my poster. god. That's not Zala, not nothing to do with Zach Galifianakis. No. Yes. I really no. thought that's what that was at first. They're both Greek, but no, very different. <laughs> but and both <laughs> genius performers, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. I True. would love to have Zach Galifianakis oh, on the series. That would yes. be Yes. <laughs> his improv incredible. his improv set at he's the incredible onion is fantastic yeah he's incredible yeah, yeah <laughs> and his photos in the bathing suit those are my favorite <laughs> if i had my own classroom i would have photos of those that photo shoot from bathing <laughs> like it's gorgeous he's in a one he's in a red one piece at the beach it's beautiful yeah better than boy uh, <laughs> so oh, who wants to who wants to jump in with your let's just go back to the beginning owen hasn't talked in a while all right, okay. we're going going in a circle. Um, I, I do want to say one thing before we um, truly jump into part two um, about our dream dream per artist. So what I wanted to say, Ewan, about um, your choice was actually it was really uh, meaningful and powerful to me that you didn't talk about just Dong Wan in the performance, but you talked about everything around it. And I think for me, that's really what it's all about. And what the series has taught me is that, um, that, and we, we've brought some, some artists into the series that I have been very starstruck with Yap Blanc, mm. uh, like <laughs> bow down. Oh my goodness. Um, but everyone is human and everyone needs to eat and everyone needs a, a place to sleep and we, we can help provide all of those things too and have these amazing conversations and hear about their life outside of making art. And like that, that is really cool. And Yop so does not like milk in his coffee, which I learned very early on. Ooh, see, and we get here. to learn. <laughs> <laughs> those are the important things. I thought I had ruined. No, I thought I had ruined our whole, you know, our whole gig with you because I, <laughs> Sorry, I have to go. I screwed up his <laughs> copy. Yeah. yeah I, thought he was, I thought he was going to be really pissed for the rest of the time, but so we, we worked it out. Right. That's hilarious. Yap is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Cheers to, to Yap Blanc for sure. Um, but, but yeah, I, I guess what I'm trying to say about this is that, um, you know, in, in all of our artists that we've talked about in all of our famous performances there's there's people behind that and people with relationships that we've built and yeah okay so moving on to part two so the idea is that we are basically going to do a a, a quote-unquote live curation together so um, all three of us don't know who we're about to say we each are bringing in a guest artist and we're pretending like this the show is next month and we have booked three artists and um what's we're really cool about this and i think we learned this well we've known this for a while but we learned this in the last podcast for sure is that we have um, very congruent and sometimes very um you know divergent um, aesthetics and taste and and everything about music and art and i think that's cool it's not it's not monolithic it's not um, just Rob or not just Owen or not just you and deciding, you know, um, we're bringing in our own backgrounds and ideas and everything. Um, okay. So I have a dream artist that I would love to bring into the series sometime. Um, so her name is Ri, Ri uh, Nakajima and she is a Japanese artist, um, 
but I think she she lives in Europe currently. Um, but she is she works with sound, and she actually identifies when she's working with just sound. She actually identifies as a sculptor, not a musician. But then she actually collaborates with a ton of improvisers and musicians, and then she says it turns into music once once it's doing that. Um, so she is um, what's super profound to to me about her and why I'd love to to meet her and bring her in and have Flagstaff um, get to experience her her work is that um, she works with a ton of found objects, but she also works with things that have like tiny motors. And so she's usually like set up on the floor and she just has like a big pile of like, um, little oscillators and objects and um she basically does an improvisation but um she's interacting to the space she's interacting to sounds she's interacting with with time and layers and it's it's really really um profound so um i'm going to share my screen just like a minute i'm going to share a minute of a performance to you two just so you could get a taste of her. And um, so th the idea here is that, you know, I have my dream and then Rob and then you, and, and then we have to figure out how to put them together in one, one performance and make it work somehow. Yeah, I discovered Re probably three months ago and was just like dumbfounded when I saw her and was like, oh yes, this is it. This is what I've been trying to do for my entire life. <laughs> I'll just start it around there. Oh, she was in the improv festival, I think. Oh, cool. The the thing in, in Canada that I see put together this summer. Oh, the if? Yeah. If. Yeah. Nice. Okay, here we go. So here's just like a, a minute or so of, of this is a res, residence, residency she had in uh, Paris, I think, the Icon Gallery. Okay, so we'll stop it there. And basically my idea here is that, A, I love her work. I love her practice. I love her art. It, it activates so many things that I love about improvisation and experimental music, like indeterminacy, found objects, you know, um, subverting ideas of like instruments, like what is an instrument? Um, and I just love that it's like this, it's this space where she can move one object and it activates this whole new pattern of things. And as a percussionist too, she's actually been uh, where I first found her was actually on Bandcamp, and she was featured on this like um, percussion album actually. And so um, you know, as a percussionist too, thinking of like polyrhythms, but 
also just like rhythmic material that she's able to create. And so if we were to bring her in, I would love to have her collaborate with some Flagstaff musicians and definitely record an album in non-essential. Um, but yeah, pair her up with different improvisers and, and see what happens. Um, yeah, so that is, that's my, my dream artist that I'm bringing to the table. That's phenomenal. I want to watch that whole piece. There's so much going on in that, just in that, you know, 40 seconds that we looked at, like um, the fact that there are kids there, fantastic, that, that half the people are sitting on the floor with her while she's performing, um, that she's using toys mostly which is, I'm a huge fan of. It's one of the things that I love about what Rob does mm -hmm. uh, when, we, when, I, when I've seen Rob perform is the, is the, the number of toys that he's able to incorporate because there's that, um, one of the things that's really important to me as an educator is that we incorporate play into everything that we do when we teach mm -hmm. and um, play for its own sake, not because it's a gateway to other things, but because of the, you know, the beauty that it brings to our lives, but also the things that it does to our brains and, and, um, and the freedom and the, the social things that it brings in um, that, but, but the first frame, like the still frame, when you started that video, I immediately thought of Mr. Rogers <laughs> and the land of make-believe and right. the little miniatures that he has set up, you know, and that, that whole um, little universe that he created for kids to inhabit temporarily. And that it, with him as their sort of guide in and out, um, as the trolley takes us in and out of the land of make-believe <laughs> like that. Um, she is really embodying that, um, that invitation and that, that place where you can go in your head to, to experience things that, um, you know, people can't see your thoughts and you're in there interacting with those things, but also that level of vulnerability that she's willing to engage um, in front of all those people where she is in a, you know, physically in a vulnerable position, mm -hmm. but also emotionally, psychologically um, welcoming and, and, and into that personal space of hers on the floor with those small objects. I mean, people can get really close. It's not like she's got a big, massive barrier of instruments around her. Right. Um, it's all right there in front of her. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a really intimate space to be in, you know, physically, psychologically, socially. Um, that was beautiful. I love that. I want to watch that whole thing. Cool. Yeah. yeah. She, she has a really great, there's another YouTube video, um, that, that I referenced, uh, uh, that is a, an interview as well. And she talks about her process and, and how she thinks about sound and, and playing with musicians and yeah. Nice. Well, I've already figured out a way to incorporate. Oh, great. These, yeah. I've already got a plan. I'm already planning. The whole, the whole. <laughs> see, yeah, you know yeah. at least yours, so I don't know anyone else's. So this is yeah, exciting yeah. to see what yeah. you will come up with. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I I was just recently exposed to her as well. Um, I, I I mentioned it at this festival that I participated in a, a virtual festival over the summer that was co-sponsored by the or, or mainly sponsored by created by the. Um, Center for the Critical Study of Improvisation uh, based out of the University of Guelph in Canada. They put on this uh, festival called IF Improvisation Festival, and it was uh, a 24-hour live streaming event um, where people contributed in advance videos or audio uh, that involved improvisation. And it was 
uh, intentionally meant as a one-time thing. So some people have posted their contributions on social media or various other places and you can see what they did, but it was really kind of, you had to be there. Um, and, and one of her pieces was, was featured in that. So I, when you said her name, I, I, I remembered, oh yeah, I remember this. And then I saw that the still footage. And if you go to the, you, oh, and you could put this in the, the, the credits, I guess, if you go to the improv festival, um, artists site, there's a, a picture of her doing that, that same piece oh, awesome. um, that you just showed. So. Yeah, I knew I recognized that. Um, so my my featured person um, again, an extremely hard uh, task. I have so many people I'd love to feature in the series, but um, she's a dream, but also I think a possible dream, um, given the connections that we might uh, have. Uh, is a pianist uh, from uh, the New York area. Uh, she lives in upstate New York named Marilyn Crispell. And um, she's probably most known for being a member of the Anthony Braxton Quartet uh, during the 1980s. Um, and she's very prolific. She's recorded with lots of people, um, and including a person that we featured in the series, David Rothenberg. Um, they have a duo uh, CD on ECM Records that came out a, a number of years ago. Um, but she's just a very amazing uh, composer and improviser um, in, a, in a whole host of, you know, really amazing pianists to do interesting things uh, in an improvised format on that instrument. Um, certainly, I think one of the most important um, people to play piano of the last, you know, 50 or 60 years. And uh, just a really joy to watch as a performer as well. Um, I saw her a while back, maybe in 2007 or eight. I'm, I'm blanking on the year as part of the Vision Festival in New York City, um, playing on a trio with Rashid Ali and Henry Grimes, two other kind of legendary uh, musicians from 60s jazz, uh, or that's sort of when they, when they began playing. Um, Anyway, uh, I think she would be really fantastic. I could totally see her collaborating with the the tiny instruments that, that mm. we just saw too. So. Right, and I wonder if she would let Re put maybe some instruments in the piano. In the piano, oh yeah, right. totally, yeah. That could be the cool. only the only thing I realized as I was thinking about this uh, before we started recording is that weirdly, all the venues that we've 
feature in the series don't really have a piano. Oh, this is a fantasy though. <laughs> so we would need to we would but need to rent a real. piano. That's we would need to rent a piano. Drawback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, if they mm-hmm. can bring one in for George, what's his face? George Winston. <laughs> yeah, George Winston yeah. always gets a piano. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Come on. He's not the uh, only guy who deserves his own piano. <laughs> we can work that out. Right. Wow. Owen, yeah. it sounds like you've heard of her. Uh, I know the Braxton Quartet, but okay. I, I don't know of her specifically, yeah. so I don't know of her work outside of that. Gotcha. Okay. All right. My turn then? Yeah, please. All right. Uh, you guys know this cat. Um, oh. Oh, Fred. Right. Fred. Yes. Here we go. My gracious. <laughs> Uh, he's set up uh, a loop of certain effects that he was achieving with uh, modifying the guitar and inserting um, objects into, you know, between the strings and detuning and so forth. And he's set up a continuous uh, series of, of uh, things that he can loop through and then play along with. Um, and I, had, I hadn't heard of Fred Frith um, until I went and saw the second um, Andy Goldsworthy documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, he did the soundtrack for uh, Rivers and Tides and then in uh, Leaning into the Wind. And um, which was, I mean, that was a paramount experience anyway, being it. Um, we, we were on a trip to Tucson uh, for Michelle's work. And um, and I went to the theater by myself. It was like, I can't even remember, it was like nine o'clock at night or something. Um, down to uh, the Loft Cinema, yeah. uh, which is still showing stuff online right now due mm. to due to COVID. Um, but they've got a great program. They got great programming. They're also doing outdoor movies. But anyway, cool. um, went there and saw that documentary there. And it was if you've ever been in the Loft, it's a very intimate theater. It's very small, um, and uh, and there are literally couches in the front row that you can sit on. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and sat there almost by myself. I think there were three other people there and they were all sitting down in front where I couldn't see them. Mm. Um, and so I had that whole theater to myself and listening to uh, Frith's music um, accompanying these exquisite visuals. Um, it, it's it's a much more conceptual documentary than Rivers and Tides Rivers was. And Tides, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it was just it was just gorgeous. It was a beautiful experience. So immediately, as soon as I, you know, we got back, um, I started looking this guy up and I think Owen and I had talked or maybe Rob and I or all three of us had talked about him and, and um, some of the stuff that he's, that he's pulled out of an instrument that I've been friends with since, you know, I was 15 years old. Like mm. that's, I got my first yeah. guitar before I turned 16 and, and, uh, and I've always loved the things that you can do with it that aren't rock and roll, um, you know, with the electric guitar. And this was like another level of like, Oh, whoa, wait a minute. I thought I understood because I've played, you know, uh, 
experimental, for lack of a better term, guitar in different performances that we've we've done, um, but not to this level. This is this is this is next level stuff. This is thinking way outside of um, the parameters of an instrument, which is what, uh, which is another thing that I just love about the series is the is the um, the breaking down of those things. You know, Rob, you mentioned or, or Owen, you mentioned maybe putting some of those little machines inside the piano mm-hmm. um if we had that group performance um that that just like what we did with um uh telephone we had the cell phones inside the piano and in, mm. in, in the uh in the space this this idea of just pushing past what it is you think an instrument can do um yeah that, that's I, I really admire um his work for that but the reason why i said i think I've got a plan. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, let's hear it. So this goes back to an idea that we had two seasons ago, at least. <clears throat> and that's to host our own experimental festival. Oh yeah. And, and that was like, as soon as I saw your choice, I was like, that's a workshop. Mm-hmm. Like right there, make objects, make those in- objects interact, use those objects. Um, having, uh, you know, modified instruments, uh, you know, or whatever, however, you know, Frith could, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's the word, um, conduct a, uh, a workshop, um, right. Prepared, prepared instruments. I think yes, is there you go. technical That's, term prepared. Yes. Yeah. yeah prepared <laughs> instruments. Exactly. Um, so I don't know how you feel about that, Rob, with your artist, since I have no frame of reference for your artist, yeah. how you would feel about that I'm, working that in. I'm fairly certain that Fred Frith and Marilyn Crispell have performed together. I mm. would be, I would be sort of surprised if they hadn't. Yeah. So yeah, and that would be really cool if they hadn't actually. Yeah, I mean, no. uh, yeah, that would be that would work too. But I'm I'm almost positive that they have. Um, and and when you put him up on the screen, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, yeah, a legend. He's he, legend. he's definitely one of my dream performers. Uh, he is, as you say. Um, one of the innovators of the instrument um, in the 20th and 21st centuries. Um, You know, the whole idea of looping on guitars or other instruments is so cliche now that we forget how creative it can be. And, you know, I've seen him live on at least one occasion. I think I've seen him a few times, but I remember one particular uh, performance at the Guelph Jazz Festival again in in Canada, where he just did a solo performance. And just the, again, yeah, like you said, he takes this instrument that we're so intimately familiar with, either from playing, I mean, almost if you grew up as a boy in America, (laughs) you've probably at least touched an electric guitar, even if you don't play electric guitar, right? So it's just, and you've certainly listened, heard it and, he he has really just done things with that instrument that continue to just blow my mind um and and as you say you know is also taking it beyond kind of a rock context but he did that too i mean one of the you and you'll get a kick out of this over the summer i read this million page uh biography of sid barrett uh, and the early days of Pink Floyd, I think I mentioned it to you maybe, um, yeah. called Dark Globe yeah. um, by a journalist named uh, Julian Palacios. And 
one of the things I learned from that book is that Fred Frith actually played a gig with Sid Barrett post Pink Floyd. That's awesome. Um, and I think there's a recording of it that has been subsequently issued a few years back. But anyway, Fr Frith was was really part of the underground uh, rock music world uh, in the late 60s and early 70s, most famously in the band Henry Cow. And then um, yes. another band called <laughs> Art Bears, which is even more uh, experimental. Uh, Mike Cheka from Bookman's and who's performed on the series a number of times introduced me to them and back in high school. Uh, but Frith is just uh, quite amazing. Yeah, and, and has taught for a number of years at Mills College. Um, so really a, an, a, a contributor in terms of education as well. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot, a big legacy and still, you know, still out there performing and yeah. uh, teaching. And so I think, you know, I think we could actually literally do this. I think we could totally yeah. get all three of these people to perform together. Mm -hmm. The the gauntlet is out there. <laughs> yeah. Rie Nakajima, Marilyn Crispell, and Fred Frith, we want you. We're Triple we're deal. gonna come for you and yes. give you money to come to Flagstaff. <laughs> but that's I mean, if we have if we have the right underwriting, uh mm -hmm. Oh, we it could happen. put together a new music festival with those three headliners. Well, right? here's my proposition. If it is a festival, th thinking about these three artists and the connection between them is um, – so the festival would be called – I'm just spitballing here. It would be called Modified because I'm sure all three of these artists have taken uh, piano, guitar, and then toys, found objects – and made made them their own through modification, right? Whether it's prepared piano, prepared guitar, or taking a toy apart, taking the little motor out, right? Yeah. And so the idea would be that you maybe you bring something, you bring a clock, or you bring your instrument, and you get to learn how to prepare it in a safe way, or maybe you get <laughs> to learn how to circuit bend, right? right. Or, yeah, or we whatever. Could have, we could actually get a lot of. Um electronic toys donated mm -hmm. do a whole circuit bending workshop mm -hmm. absolutely or multiple circuit bending workshops yeah yeah and i think so there's actually a really cool connection here because um i think fred also either currently or has taught at cal arts and yeah. we have a board member who yeah. went to cal arts um, but also vicky ray who teaches at cal arts she almost played on the series mm. before COVID hit ah! mm. um, but she was going to bring her duo yar out here and so she's a great connection just to the Cal Arts scene, which Fred is a part of for sure. Um, so yeah, this this is possible. I think Re might be the most difficult one to get out here in terms of uh, flights, but hey, we got Dong Wan out here yeah. from Korea, so we could do it. Yeah, not yeah. not impossible. Yeah, and by the way, like these, if this was a triple bill, and I saw this triple bill, or if this was an album that was published, like there's that meme of like take my money, like <laughs> it would be like take all my money. I would love to to listen yeah. to that album, or I would love to see that performance. Oh my goodness! Yeah. That's what I mean. Oh, it like, could happen, you guys. It could that's what I mean with happen. the right underwriting. That's we would need the underwriting for the promotion. Mm -hmm. facilitating the event you know the venue so the venue promotion that's where all the underwriting would be you know and, and then of course artist fees but we mm -hmm. should also again emphasize 
that we didn't talk about this in advance. So right. we're, <laughs> we're totally, I, I will like anybody listening to this yeah. already knows that obviously, but, uh, but we, you know, for purposes of like planning, we, we, we didn't, we didn't uh, tell each other what, what, who we would pick. So no, I think it's interesting that we would, we would yeah. have this synergy there. The surprise. Yeah, like, surprise. Yeah. yeah you exactly. can read, I don't know surprise. if you can read that backwards, but yeah, it was like, no, no we got it. Let's yeah. surprise each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So <laughs> yeah, this is, think, this was yeah, great. I think it could work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Phenomenal. So to be continued interference land. Yeah. That's a reason for people to come back, man. That's right. See if this is actually going to happen. Cause I yes. think it absolutely could. Oh, it totally could. Post, we're going to do totally post COVID in person live yes. event. Like, yeah, that could be, yes. I mean, it might be easier to do it remotely right now. <laughs> um, probably a lot cheaper. Um, <laughs> But that might shortchange the experience because we're talking about workshops, you know, we're talking about a festival, um, which we had a great experience at Oh My Ears two years ago. Yeah. Um, And that was, I mean, the the multiple venues, the, the, um, you know, the absolute, you know, beautiful cavalcade of performers and, and um, being able to participate in that, um, that really inspired us about, you know, being able to pull off our own big event like that. It was, it was clear that we could do it with the right amount of planning and the right amount of uh, support. Thank you, Elizabeth, for putting on Oh My Ears. That is yes. an Elizabeth and treasure. Yeah. yeah, treasure of Arizona. They sure. actually have, I think, um, applications for this year are due by the end of October. Nice. Is it going to be Trans Am Cafe again? Because that <laughs> BLT I had was awesome. Like, <laughs> amazing BLT. Yeah, I don't know if they're planning like in person because I know they pushed it back to February last year. Like they did it in in early February just because of like grant cycles or something. Um, but yeah, I don't know by February if we'll be out of this, but we will see. I hope I hope we are for sure. Broadway, I don't know. Broadway just canceled through May, so yeah. mm. who knows. Who knows? So we're gonna have to look at Gene Ewan in that uh, that psychedelic skeleton. Uh, for a few more conspiracy months conspiracy theater <laughs> yeah all for... my friends are dead <laughs> Actually, oh wait wait i got this hang on i got i didn't even realize that i just okay. said that my daughter uh my my kid alex uh gave me this t-shirt a few years ago it goes with a, a children's book uh of the same title uh, you guys probably can't see that oh, oh yeah the, the brontosaurus yeah, yeah my man boobs are distorting it yeah. but uh, all my friends are all dead. My yeah, friends are dead. Yeah. It's actually a really fun, fun children's book. You should actually. Yeah. Uh, Sam doesn't have a copy of that. No. Oh, we'll have I didn't know that. it was a book. I thought it was just a shirt. Oh yeah, no, we'll we'll fix that. We'll make sure okay. Sam gets a copy of that. That's yeah, I'll, I'll get it for my classroom. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Find oh yeah, that'd be a there. really good one to read. The kids will get a kick out of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All my friends. Well, I I just want to again say to any, all the one person listening and watching, um, <laughs> which you is should us. go, <laughs> you should go and investigate the interference series archives, yeah. uh, because again, it's just every time I, I I look up there on the YouTube's, uh, it's quite incredible the range of things that are there, and you know there's such a glut of stuff available to us now through digital media but it's really i think important to again just emphasize how there's this range of things that we have um 
program that's both local and national and international and uh i think just really special for the the range of of um people involved and uh and again not tuning our own horn but uh but that there's some stuff out there and it's and it's it's quite amazing to see the the diversity of of uh stuff that that you can access uh even if you didn't make it to the the show um check it out as you're you know hanging out inside especially it's going to start getting cold you're going to need you can't yeah. watch buffy the vampire slayer again I mean, you, you could but don't tell me what i can and can't do rob but you know you could also watch you know rachel austin or, or you know any of these other or you know performances big mouth or we no, mentioned. yeah or, or big mouth yeah <laughs> uh, but, but you hopefully we've given people an insight into the level of intimacy of these yeah. performances like yeah. these are this you know flagstaff is sixty thousand people maybe um, 80 80 and that includes the transient student population so yeah. without the university i mean it's it's a little more than half that um but we have uh, you know we have a handful of places where we can actually do these things um which is why we do you know the coffee shop scene and so forth but but uh these are intimate performances i mean we've i don't think we've ever had more than what 60 people at a show like the center for the arts how many does that hold can't I remember. think a couple hundred. And we've yeah, had maybe. I think, I think we've had just over a hundred at one or two of those yeah. shows mm-hmm. in the in the at the center. But for the most part, we're talking like packed coffee house, uh, you know, chairs to the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are the hive. Are, yeah, the hive. Oh my gosh! My all of a sudden, I just had uh, hypothermia, like psychological <laughs> hypothermia, <laughs> sitting in there uh, with no heat. In the winter. In the hive. Yeah. yeah, in the winter with my leather jacket on. Who's dedication is that it was um dedication step into sadness yes and oh, uh yeah. and uh molly was sitting next to me and she said i could hear your jacket crinkling the whole time <laughs> because I'm, it was just for breathing but it was a leather Cold, jacket yeah. and we were in there just freezing and my jacket was just like moving the whole time yeah but they're really intimate performances that we've all been been witness to or been a part of um and Thanks. seeing them on video it's it's different from you know, oh, this happened at a at the MoMA, you know, or this happened at the Guggenheim right. or something like. This is happening like in Flagstaff, mm-hmm. um, in this tiny little these tiny little corridors um, of, of our town. Yeah, yeah, and and hopefully with this podcast, we can reach more people, um, and definitely with the virtual performance, like there was there was definitely some people from not in Arizona interacting with Lauren's performance and. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, there there's some positive things to be enforced to move into the internet. <laughs> yeah. Do we have another little performance bit. planned yet? Uh yeah. So this this podcast should be published before the next one. Um so uh if you want to come to the next in person ish performance um we have a performance on october 23rd and 24th called home which is a drive-through concert performance where um you pay 20 bucks per car like drive-in movie style and you can pack in your your family um if it's safe and then uh we we curated 10 different um locations for you to drive up to and then you hang out for a few minutes and uh, uh experience a performance or maybe an installation of some sort um and then so that's on the 23rd and 24th uh the next virtual performance is on october 
October 30th, um, and that will be on YouTube Live and Facebook Live, and that features the violinist and sound artist named Leslie Smucker, who lives in uh, Denver, Colorado. Also kind of a, a, a displaced performer who was going to perform um, actually last month in September in person and now has moved on to a virtual space for us, which is super cool. series devoted to radical, avant-garde, experimental, improvised, and otherwise undefinable artists. Opening and closing credits feature music by Triceratops, available on our label, Non-Essential Records. Owen's example featured an excerpt of an improvisation by Ri Nakajima. Ewan's example featured an excerpt of an improvisation by Fred Frith. Rob's example featured an excerpt of the track Odyssey with Marilyn Chris Bell on piano, released on Intact Records. Learn more about us and contact us at interferenceseries.org and nonessentialrecords.bandcamp.com. Thanks to all of you for listening.